Okay, this is episode 11. Episode 11. All right, so this week we got uh, Steve Bro, um, our good friend Steve Bro, coming in to uh, chat with us. We've got returning guest, numero uno, Eric Jean, uh, joining us as well for a good time. Uh, Richard, we did a bunch of things today. This week we talked about the game, <laughs> Paris, death, <laughs> feminism, <laughs> and bullies. Fire in the hole. <laughs> Please forgive Richard. He's exploring his uh, showmanship. <laughs> you wanted energy. There we go. Well, that was definitely energy. So yeah, do. as he said, we, uh, we we talked about a range of things. Uh, you know, just lighthearted subjects like uh, death, uh, uh, craziness uh, in Paris, uh, police shootings, and uh, women and men and how they should get along. Right. This is Fire in the Hole, episode eleven. The badges on our caps. Have you looked at them? What? No. A bit. They've got skulls on them. Hmm? Have you noticed that our caps have actually got little pictures of skulls on them? Uh, I don't, uh... Hands. Are we the baddies? Episode 11. 11. 11. How's it going, guys? It's going, man. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, I forgot something. Hang on a sec. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. Here you go, Mike. You've been baptized. <laughs> All right. So here we are, guys. Um, 11 episodes in. Uh, fantastic last couple episodes. I, I mean, I love them all, but uh, some of you may have noticed that uh, there were a couple of technical issues uh, a couple of podcasts back um, and uh, they've been resolved thank you Richard well one day at a time one day at a time no no that's We're working on it hang on no no that's 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 AA man oh, okay oh, <laughs> that's sorry. the Alcoholics Anonymous thing it's the kind of the opposite of this is kind here. of the opposite yeah. of uh, AA but yes I've been following 12 steps to improving mm-hmm. your podcast <laughs> yeah well it's a learning process and yeah. uh but we're learning so that's good yeah it's getting better little little by little we're getting there we're learning as we go so yeah, yeah. no uh, I, for anyone uh, starting out with their podcast uh it's it's a daunting process uh i mean you can just do it on the on the cheap of course and you can do it you know uh, dirty and just whatever you got at your disposal the idea is to get yourself out there if you've got a message if you got something you want to talk about but uh I don't know. I think so far, I would still say that we we're, we're pretty lucky in terms of the. It's 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 a good place. It's a good time to be podcasting right now. I think. Yeah. For the everyday man. Well, I think when we we started off, we started in a good place because we were you know content wise and the flow of everything, that worked out great. It yeah. was more the, the technical stuff like. Yeah. Which mics do you get? Do you go with XLR? Do you go with USB and stuff? So. Trying to get four mics that work without any like weird echoes and stuff, and you know, yeah, no, no, there's no other way to do it. You just have to do it and figure, figure it, out. it out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. and that's it. Like, I'm know. pretty happy with it, with the, the way it's it's been. Uh, at least the yeah. last the last one sounded really great. Yeah, you certainly shouldn't be hung up on the tech. Yeah, like, if you want to do it, just 
do it. And I've got this it thing there. where I just, I, you know, if, if we're going to do it, I want to do it right. You know, like I want it <laughs> that's to a sound great, That's sexy, crazy. You know? That's crazy. I idea. get intense about things when I get like really into a project. Yeah, no, but I, I you know, I think uh, that that's where we make a good team, you know, because uh, I don't have that. You don't want to do it right, Jason? <laughs> no, I just want to do it right the first time. <laughs> well, like I yeah. said, when I walked in and I saw the setup, it's, the shit's fancy. Oh, yeah? It's, 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 it's nice looking. Well, that, that's another thing. I think that the look of it is important for us, too, because it feels like because we're doing it um, kind of close to home, um, we want to do it. We want to feel like we're entering a space that's de- dedicated to that. And I think um, having a bit of a setup definitely helps get you get get you into that mentality. You feel like you're, you know, you're not in your living room necessarily. You're not in your basement or whatever. But uh, I think we wanted to do it from that standpoint. I think uh you know, sound is important. It's so important. You know, it's more important than we could possibly imagine. And we can really get into that a little bit more. But, you know, manners. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's introduce these ghost voices that are uh, that, that are in the background. Let's do it, man. Um, yeah. All right. So first, I'd like to welcome uh, his first time appearance, uh, Mr. Steve Bro. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, did he pronounce your name right? Yes. He did. He did. Have all, all the vowels are useless. Just a big O. <laughs> nice. Mr. Bro. Hey, good job, man. That's right. There you, you go. Did it. So, uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you for making it on uh, relatively short notice. Uh, no problem. Um, he was born ready. He was, he was born- just waiting for the call, Jason. We're, we're going to get into how much we like Steve in a second, <laughs> uh, because that's a topic in, in itself. It's a good topic. Uh, and we're welcoming back uh, our first reoccurring guest. Mm-hmm. Does that work? Our first yeah, returning guest. Returning right? first. Yeah. First, yeah, maybe uh, returning guest. Yeah, the, fir- the favorite. first. A favorite, yes. Fan favorite, yeah. So clearly we brought him back because we did not dislike his presence and we did enjoy uh, our first uh, outing with him. So uh, Eric Jean, welcome back. Thanks. I accepted the invitation because I had a good time the first time. Oh, if I good. hadn't had a good time, I probably still would have said yes, but <laughs> I happen to have a good time. Which is excellent. Fun. Excellent. So th- that, that, was, that was really well put. Uh, and uh, the fact is, is that we've mentioned you. I, I've, I've certainly brought you up enough times in podcasts where you weren't here. It's true. He comes up a lot. Right? He comes up a lot because yeah. he's, he's an interesting guy. And then, If Eric were here, he would say... Uh, right. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Now you're speaking for me. Yeah, yes. yeah, right. We got that type of relationship. Eric He's invoking you on a regular basis, <laughs> <laughs> but it just it comes up because uh, you know th- that's that's kind of uh, the kind of people I think inadvertently these are the kind of people we were trying to get on the show anyway. Yeah, uh, not necessarily that they have to agree with us. In fact, we we welcome disagreement, but certainly people who can cut into a subject and you know look past just the basics and uh, ha- have something to say. You know, even if it's controversial. So welcome back, guys. Thanks. Uh, I mean, welcome back, uh, Eric and uh, Steve. How you feeling, man? Good. It's good. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was just thinking to myself the uh, the error you may have made in inviting someone onto the show that generally sits back and listens to everyone else talk uh-huh. without adding anything. But it's like Jason's me. show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, we weren't talking about Jason. <laughs> well, you know that the the irony of that, of course, is that uh, uh, you and Richard have that in common. Yeah, we certainly do. Traditionally, yeah, the old Richard. <laughs> the I'm old... working on it. <laughs> this yeah. is like my weekly therapy <laughs> yeah. to talk more. <laughs> this is my weekly therapy to talk less. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what editing's for, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Thank God we edit this thing. Thank God. But uh, no, I, I, there's something you know uh, magical that really happens when when you sit people down. It's almost like I may be making too much of this, but it feels like the podcast medium, at least for as far as we've been doing it, seems to have 
forced us to get into conversations with people that we like, people that we find interesting, in a way that we all, I think, maybe wished we would get into more often, right? But we don't really, nobody really listens to each other anymore, or everyone's talking about stuff, or YouTubing, or on their phones, and, you know, this all this stuff has been well documented, but uh, pod, the podcast has this interesting way of putting down these barriers, such as, you know, if we all start talking at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, that's not going to work out. And that's something at least uh, Eric and I would know a little bit about the group of friends that we have. <laughs> we tend to do a little bit of that, right? But, I don't know. I think we, I find on the whole, we're actually pretty good at like everyone wants to say something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get the feeling that people are just waiting for their turn to talk as yeah. opposed to engaging but i feel like most of the time we're not talking over one another like we're taking turns it's not too chaotic Uh that's just the way it sort of that's just sort of works maybe we also we've known each other for a long time so maybe we just realized we optimized over the years yeah we realized that this was not working this it oftentimes splinters off into like uh, two people talking it ends up being like a dialogue right like a bunch of dialogues going on in the same room and not like a group conversation right and that's kind of what you and I, Richard, had kept having for the longest time, right? And then we were like, hey, we should make it, maybe do something with this. Yeah. So maybe to figure out if th- that you have as much in common as I think you do, um, what, why are you conscious of the fact that you're a quiet listening type, uh, Steve? Yeah, of course. I have trouble either interjecting or uh, it, I, I find that I need to listen a lot more to say something that I feel has some merit behind it, maybe. Okay. But you would like to interject more. You just, you, you don't, you're not sure how to do it or you're not sure if it's, you want to I know to how to valid. do it. I'm just not loud enough. Oftentimes, most times it's like in a party in a group dynamic and people are talking and I want to add something to the conversation and I do and no one hears me or notices that I said something. So I just sort of, <laughs> just fall back and I'm like, I'm just going to keep listening or okay because you're yeah. not as imposing or you're not you're not like I guess speaking so. loud enough maybe yeah. or or just you're just not barging yeah. into the conversation because that unfortunately seems to be the order of the day if you want to sort of get people to listen to you in that context anyway is you kind of got to you got to kind of shove your way in there and say something like well you know the the crazy thing is. And then, and then people turn around. So unless you're you bring it with that sort of cadence, that that might happen, right? If everyone's right. sort of elbowing each other. What what uh, um, what Eric was saying about people waiting to just uh, answer rather to than to actually listening to what the other person's saying. It's, it's a, hard to it's hard to get that kind of momentum going too. Like if you're if there's a few people who are all grabbing the mic from each other and you're 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 not the type of person who's going to impose yourself like to. to they're not expecting you to talk, so you have to try that much harder in order to to talk. And if you're not the type of person who's inclined to, to talk just to hear their own voice and you feel like you need to insert something that's worthwhile, then you're not going to talk as often. <laughs> yes. I tend to talk a lot with close friends, but very little in a mixed group. Like yeah. I tend to be perfectly content being the guy who just... I tend to be pretty content being the guy who's like, you know what, I'm just going to sit here and my wife's talking with these two people and, and I'm okay with having nothing to say. Like, yeah. But with friends, I tend to be more, like way more talkative. Mm. And why, why, do, you, do you have any idea why that is? I don't want to have to wrestle for the mic. 
Okay. That's kind of what it comes down to. Like if you're in a party, a bunch of people that, that don't know like each other. That sounds like a great idea for a show, by the way. What, wrestling with the mic? Wrestling for the mic? I don't know. Oh. I feel like that's a match stipulation I don't we know. should have in wrestling. It's, it's sounding, uh, <laughs> sounding a little dirty, Jason. I don't know okay. how comfortable <laughs> I feel with that. But, okay, the, but um, you, don't want, you don't like the jockeying for a position. Yeah, like I don't like having to make a statement to speak. Like I'd like just, all right, I'm talking to two or three people that when I speak, they will listen to me and they will probably respond and acknowledge what I'm saying as opposed to, okay, there are three or four very strong personalities here and I don't want to get into it. I don't, right. I don't want to, I have no interest in that okay. struggle. And the more fight. people that are involved in a conversation, I don't know if it's the same thing for you, but like the less likely I am to want yeah. to be involved. Exactly. Okay. Like yeah. it's less likely that they're talking about something I'm actually interested in. One-on-one, mm-hmm. yeah. on one, I have no problem. One-on-one, on one, oftentimes I'll yeah, feel you, like I'm overtaking talking. a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got Whereas... Sure because it's easier. I have a I have someone's focus and yeah. I'm listening to them and they're listening and it feels more like it feels more like there's a give and take to a conversation whereas a group you're not I, guiding the conversation. I'm not driving anything and it's yeah. and it feels to me oftentimes like take 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 a barrage of right. of sounds and Possibly from, <laughs> possibly just... from family dinners with a bunch of Italian people <laughs> oh, having yeah. ten mm. different conversations at a table at the same time, and I just sort of shut up and shove food in my face, and right. that was my coping mechanism. I don't need to talk. I'm eating. I just keep eating. I'm just picturing like uh, Steve Carell now in Anchorman, <laughs> who like he's with all of these blowhard, like uh, rambunctious uh, types, you know, and he just he really wants to to be one of those guys, yeah. but they're all like, you know. 12 points over the mark. He's like, I love lamp. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just keeps yelling nonsense. And they're like, loud noises, very loud noises. Right. Uh, but no, it, it's interesting, though, because uh, um, I used to be or at least I had that approach with women when I was uh, a younger, younger man. Uh, and it's still to this day, whether like even if I'm not like, you know, on the prowl or whatever, the point is, is like in that same party situation, I'm like that with if there are, I don't know, there is an attractive woman or are attractive women that clearly everyone's trying to sit next to and have conversations with, right? And single or not, the point is like, I almost immediately like, I, I have that exact reaction is like, you know what? If she happens to sit next to me and we, we, we chat or whatever, then, I'll, you know, I'll entertain her, I'll make her laugh and, uh, you know, we'll have an exchange, a give and take. But I'm not going to get in there and try to like out, you know, out impress or out talk all these other guys who are like elbowing each other to get near the the cute chick at the party right like that's always mm-hmm. been my thing uh, just like minutes ago i went to get beer <laughs> and there's this cute girl working at the at the convenience store where i, I picked up the beers i and went to the wrong depth then yeah she's, <laughs> she's, she's, my, she's a really she's depth. a really cute girl um <clears throat> a bit on the young side i would say you know but still she's an attractive girl and i guess maybe she seems even more attractive because behind the cash she's probably standing on like a elevated mm. thing so she looks like she's six three she's or whatever. in a position of power she controls your fate something like that <laughs> anyway there's a there's clearly she's you know and then the, the guy working with her is just like a regular schmo so um and there was like these bunch of guys all getting like a single can of beer and they're all just like gawking and trying to get her attention or whatever. And I immediately kind of subconsciously just decided not to even make eye contact with her. And the and when I walked out, I was like, why did I do that? Was I why, why did I do that? And I realized I just didn't want to be the, another asshole trying to like, ooh, ooh, look at me, look at me, listen to me, look at me. Right. 
or or I want to somehow compete with these other guys. So I get that, but I don't feel that with conversation so much. I don't know. Must be tough being one of the uh, attractive girls that have nice guys (laughs) avoid eye contact and all these dicks that are just trying to get our attention. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we could go on about that quite a bit, how uh, uh, being a dick sometimes gets you further than these guys finish last and all that. No, it's just... It's more a question of confidence than being a dick. Being an asshole comes with the byproduct of... Seeming very confident. Yes, so, the, illusion, so, the illusion of confidence. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, misinterpreted all the time. And 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 in your case, I I, I certainly see the the wanting to av- avoid that competition, that same competition you have in a group conversation where you're competing for your moment to say something. Yeah. But for me, there's also that that sort of I don't know. For me, that tacit rule that someone who's working is all, all of a sudden off limits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because they can't, because I'm, because it's the ultimate imposition. You can't go anywhere. Yeah. You are, oh, if you're a waiter that's interesting, or a yeah. waitress or a bartender, you can't escape. I'm here. You're serving me or you're my cashier. Um, interesting. So I'm, yeah. I yes. feel like you get one. I feel like I mean maybe not at the convenience store, but at okay, a bar you're at a bar, you're having like beers, cute waitress. Th- you get one. It can't be gross. It can't be pushy. It can't be over the top. And if there's any doubt that she's not giving you the like, okay, I'm in, then you gotta shut the fuck up and back up and back off. Yeah, because like Steve said, she's stuck there. She can't go anywhere. She's gonna spend the next three hours bringing you beer and bitching to the bartender about how much of a pushy asshole you are yeah. and how she has to maneuver not to put her ass in your face so you don't end up grabbing it and there's like, 10 other tables yeah with with another the same Jason. dynamic going on with another wait what how did i become well, you the became bad guy? the example i'm sorry oh, okay <laughs> but i can remember multiple situations where i was kind of embarrassed to be a guy almost yeah because of like observing the behavior of these other dudes you know yeah. and i was trying to just give her a break <laughs> to not have to deal with one more guy all the time i totally know what you mean just to try to be different and i'm going to talk to you like an individual and just like conduct my business yeah just be nice and whatever like i don't don't even know how to flirt if i wanted to you know i just be friendly and lies yeah Yeah, that's never been my never been my my thing you know you're a modest man (laughs) you 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 just you just do it on the on the the low key he's the best flirter among us i'm i'm awful at it He's amazing, but he's one of the. He's, you know what? Richard is one like one of those really cute girls that doesn't know he doesn't know what she's got. <laughs> that's that's what he's like. But that's what makes his charm. So like you don't want to yeah. tell him too much how good he is because then he'll it gets to his head and then you know then it eliminates that very charm. <laughs> Here I you go, Richard. After all, a little this bit time. too many too many points there. <laughs> no, no. But seriously, I I hundred percent see your point, and I think maybe you guys can relate to this. I think we've all been there where we're like. You saw the cute waitress or the cute whatever girl, but then there's like the there's the the football guys over there, and there's another group of guys there gawking at her or whatever, and you're like, I'm just gonna say hello and go about my business, and you know today I'm gonna be her break. I'm gonna be the yeah. one guy that's not gonna fucking give her any of that business today. And I've had like a lot of friends or even acquaintances in that position, and they'll they'll come to to me like they'll be like. The sharks are circling 
don't know. <laughs> She'll come over to me like, oh, have you met my boyfriend? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like I barely know her name sort of thing. And then but just play the game in order for the guys to disperse. Chaperone. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think, I think possibly, I mean, has that ever happened to you guys? Have you ever been in that situation when you've had to sort of run interference? Mm-hmm. I think every good man yeah. I know has at some point had to. It doesn't happen in a long time. But when I was younger, I remember like I'd have girl friends who you know we're just like okay they've they've attracted all of the creeps and so they just needed someone and at the time i was way fitter and pretty muscular and i just kind of stand you know and be like uh we have a problem here like i think my friends pretty <laughs> clearly told you she's not interested oh no it's not like that man i'm like no okay <laughs> that's one way to go about it Move like along. the physical intimidation yeah it's well never i haven't that... came to that with me it was just as soon as the girl says, I have, I have a boyfriend. like, And they see your yeah. beard and it's over. I've never I, I don't know if it's even that. It's just, you know, oh, <laughs> that guy tries. across the bar is my Because they're, they're looking for know? the low-hanging fruit, right? Exactly. They want They want to go like, oh, I'm casting my line once or twice. And if I don't catch fish, I'm turning in for the day, right? Like, yeah, 90% of the guys will retreat at that point. Exactly. There might be another 10% that might go like, oh, I'm not jealous. Yeah. Oh, uh, you oh fuck asshole. off. Yeah, girls love it when you say that. <laughs> yeah, I have a boyfriend. Oh, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. Uh-huh. I'm not interested. Fucking lesbian. Yeah. You know, like you that read, whole uh, the dude <laughs> you, you from read that uh, in the pickup book. Like, <laughs> the pickup book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? Wait. Hang on. No, I'm not sure what you're saying. The the book of like uh, pickup lines. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's this book called The Game. Uh huh. I've never read it, but there's a lot of guys who. It's notorious, right? I almost bought it for Julian a few yeah. years ago. <laughs> oh <shit>. really? <laughs> yeah. We love you, Julian. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a black bound book. It's got gold leaf edges on the pages. Like I, I, I saw it, and it's not like tongue in cheek, right? It's like it, no, it's like it's like legit, like instructions how to pick up girls. how to harass sexually yeah. harass women. Yeah. Uh, it's like the book that yeah. started the whole like because there's like I guess a trend. I don't know if we're on the tail end of it mm-hmm. of these guys like who are like pickup artist gurus and they're like you know sign up to my newsletter and I'll send you a tip a week on how to pick up girls or whatever. Right, right, right. yeah, and they have all these textbook kind of uh, yeah. approaches that whole that whole industry though i think is in the doghouse right now right like they it's not oh, yeah. sitting pretty with the current mentality i don't know if it can really survive in 2015 2016 no there's a i mean there's an there's all kinds of elements of 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 uh of ill will towards women i mean amongst that i mean there's you're, yeah. you're it's certain there's certainly nothing positive about it and even in a the pickup game you mean yeah because i mean the, so i mean the the people that it's targeting are generally going to be men who are lonely and want to most likely they're not all shitheads and some yeah. of them are looking for some type of long-term mm-hmm. relationship but from the get-go you're playing a game therefore you're pretending to be someone you're not and so if you do end up with someone uh, that person's attracted to who you were pretending to be and not who you are so you're fucked right yeah, there, yeah i think it's i think it's evolving there's there are, the traditional pickup artist guys were trying to give guys tips based on like deceptive tactics mm-hmm. right how to show things that you're actually not you yeah. know how to how to deceive in order to uh, attract ladies I, I think there's a new breed now of uh self more like self-helpy type that, like it's more like like look, become look the with, man that right. women want look rather within than rather than try to try to like pretend uh, like it's not pretending yeah. but you it's, know it's, it's just like improve yourself 
and and know what ladies are looking for and become that don't pretend to be that and then like ha i fooled you <laughs> right you know which is the no that that is really the the first phase right yeah of the or actually well, the very first phase was downright like hypnotism. No, because I remember I remember reading about it several years ago, and I was I was struck by this is something that has some very useful and non slimy elements to it. But the game you're talking about now? No, I didn't read the book, but like I, I <clears throat> that like type at some of point I read up like a couple blogs, a few articles. And <laughs> the takeaway that I had was like for a well-adjusted man who's just like, okay, how do I just give myself an edge? Not like, how do I pretend that I'm a linebacker or how do I pretend that I'm a millionaire? Like, like none, none of that stuff, but just like, all right, I'm a good guy. I've got a decent job. I've got my shit together. But how do I get her to look at me twice rather than this other idiot at the bar? And the, the, the kind of the 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 type that wasn't so disgusting was really just like listen you have to look at, like they we're trying to base it on an argument based kind of on a sort of evolution in biology about like these are things that like men and women are kind of programmed you know biologically programmed to respond to so without pretending that you're someone else there are little things you can do in the way that you present yourself and the way that you interact with people that can send signals of let's say confidence Right. So you might be really shy and you might feel like you don't really have too much to say. But, you know, that there's one or two ways in which you can kind of send a message like, you know, like I'm like a confidence. But it's what, and it's like anything you, else. Uh, it goes it goes. It's one of those things that if taken way too far, which is what a lot of these guys do, it becomes about how many women can you pick up in an evening? How many women? Can, and I'm like, no, that's not the point. The point is you should have one you're interested in. And then you'd simply want to give yourself a better chance when you are approaching her. But you have to accept that there's a very good chance she will still say no. And you have to be able to walk away rather than keep playing this stupid freaking game. And like a lot of these guys are just like, no, you have to keep at it. You have to try again. You have to do these other things. And I'm like, no, no, just, that's where it's not okay. It's okay to be like, hmm, you know, maybe wearing the blue tie gives me, a, a, you know, gives me an advantage. So I'll wear the blue tie. I'm like, I got no problem with that. Where I have a problem is it's like, no, man, you've got to go and get what you want. And I'm like, then you get into like rape territory. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. She's still the boss. She gets to decide whether or not she's into you, no matter what tricks you're pulling out of your hat. Like, So when is your book coming out? Because this sounds like you, you were started talking about other people's tricks, but then it, you, I've, I've been started, married for like three years. And you got some wisdom. Man. I don't know, man. I don't I don't know that I, it's all theoretical. You're making a lot of sense <laughs> is all I'm saying. All right. Right. Maybe I it's time this, um, we got a book from a married guy as opposed to all of these. Uh, I'd have to co-author it with my wife. I think that's the only way to do it. <laughs> that sounds like an idea. All right. What, what were we saying, Richard? Uh, I, I, I watched this thing on, on YouTube. Uh, Gad said, I've, I've mentioned him multiple Gadfather, times. Gadfather, yeah. The, the yeah. Gadfather. I'm a fanboy. So I, I watch everything that he does on, on YouTube. He did this really interesting um, talk with this guy. His name is Jeffrey Miller, Ph.D., and he co-authored with this guy Tucker Max. I think he's more of like the pickup artisty guy. So they co-authored this book called uh, Mate, like Become the Man Women Want. And it's a bit more. It's kind of self-helpy, but like it's more like self-improvement. Like how can mm -hmm. you improve yourself? Uh, and then understanding, like from an evolutionary standpoint, what women are are looking for in a mate, sort of wow, thing. Wow, that's that's. Fascinating, but sounds dangerous. 
Well, it's and it, it, there's nothing deceptive about it, right? It's more just like what are the you know evolutionary motives for women and her uh, sexuality, reproductive choosing choosing a mate. Uh, you know what are what are her her like what are what goals is she evolved to kind of uh-huh. pursue? And it was super super interesting. We need a woman. Clearly, this clearly. conversation is limited without yeah. the input yeah, yeah. of a woman. Well, let, let, like, then, well, hang on a second here, because uh, the fact is that, yes, that's definitely something that uh, we, we need to sort of reach across, you know, extend olive branches, as uh, uh, Bill Burr would say. But what I think we're talking about here is the the male camp and yeah. what's being done on on our side of the, our side of the war zone, <laughs> if you want to call it that, and how there's a lot of bad things going on. There's some good stuff going on. But if we like, if we just bring it back to that scenario there with the bar and all these other things, I realize that there's maybe like another thing that also uh, um, keeps me from wanting to either say something flirty or whatever. And it's I some part of me resents this constant need to establish the male attraction to the female, right? Like I'm a heterosexual man. I have my desires. I have my fantasies as every other man does biological imperatives very likely um and i'm not pretending that i don't have them and i think anyone that does is actually really creepy <laughs> anyone that's like i want to love a woman for her mind and only her mind. like all this crap like it's always sounds phony right so like i fully understand and know that there is within me a, a caveman with certain appetites and certain biological things, but i resent the idea that i have to be a slave to those urges all the time and I feel like a lot of these guys that are quote-unquote douchebags are not always maliciously either out there because they feel that they're owed sex or because they, they think very little of women. I just think that they don't process. They don't, they don't realize that they don't have to constantly, like, you know, they, they, they treat it like they're the urge to pee. Like, you need to pee, I'll pee. I don't, I don't care if there's a bathroom, I'll just go pee. So, yeah. like, oh, I feel sexually aroused. Well, I need to act it out. I need to act on it. I need to make a, a gesture, an overture of any kind. Where, where's, where's the woman that I can make this overture to, right? And I feel like a lot of times it's just that. Like there's this lack of process. Like you're not thinking about it. You're not processing it. And I think that leads to a lot of uh, this kind of behavior in my mind. I like to think that. I think that's one of the major differences between most men and most women. Like I don't want to generalize too much, but men are playing the short game. You know, they're trying to get laid that night, whereas ladies are generally looking for a bit more. Uh, I don't know. I, I yeah, that's these generalizations I, I have a problem with. And and even the even when you're talking about like the you know the the instinct in in relationships, you don't have to worry about that stuff. That's why it's instinct. It doesn't and it doesn't play into instinct. Has nothing to do with trying to meet someone and trying to you know develop a relationship it's there it's it, you you don't have to worry about it it just happens the rest of it is just a product of how socially we work but you you have it going on so like it comes easy to you That's <laughs> yeah there's a lot of guys out there who it doesn't come so easy for the but, rest of us mortals is, steve yeah <laughs> but i think that, that that that's actually a good way of telling the difference between some of these books is the or the ones that seem or the 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 guys that are talking about this that seem less creepy are the ones that are more talking about what you basically need to do is let your thinking mind get out of the way of your instinct because your instinct knows how to court. 
Your instinct knows what it needs to do to get attention from someone of the opposite sex. Like it knows. You just kind of got to get out of your own way and out of your head for a little while and just kind of go with it. But like people, will, you know, your guy won't approach a girl and he's like second guessing himself and what do I have to say and what do I do? And it's like, no, 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 just relax. This isn't like you're not going out for your Nobel Prize acceptance speech. This is just some random person in a bar. Yeah. Like, there's no consequence for failure. Like the and, worst that happens uh, is you're I no don't know worse. About there'd be no, no. There are, there's definitely social consequences. Yeah, but so. I mean, like you go up. I mean, how many times have you done it? Just go right up to a stranger and try to pick them up. Um, in my younger days, yeah, yeah, yeah you, right, was, yeah. Do it, but I've done it countless times, and you just kind of have to accept that. Like most of the time, the worst that happens is you know her friends have a bit of a laugh, and you go back to your table. Your friends have a bit of a laugh. And you have another beer and it's forgotten. Like, I mean, there's no real consequence for being shot down other than having to deal with your friends mocking you for five minutes. Like, yeah, but there's certainly an advantage to, to, to be succeeding. That's been a rewarded sure. thing for generations since the dawn of time. It's still rewarded, right? Yeah. But that's across everything. And that's why I think that when, when, uh, when, when, when Gene was saying before about the... Um, where the ones the you know these guides that are more on the self-help thing i think it's just a a general thing there's no difference between how you approach a social situation and how you approach a work situation if you if, right. if there's a piece of something you 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 don't you know if there's a way that you act that's keeping you that's keeping you from doing something um it's it's not just going to be in a relationship it's going to be across the board so right. yeah. so we, it's there's no i mean there's no if you if there's something about you you want to change you got to target that and not apply it to something external it's you yeah well that makes sense but that's not obviously how most people uh, function right. right and that whole self-help and that's what makes me kind of like i'm sure that book is really interesting right but i see a couple of red flags for me that go up and one is um when we start talking genetics we start to make assumptions i feel mm -hmm. like I mean, I'll trust a guy like like Gatsad to you know stay the course, but I feel like that's the kind of thing that happened to like Darwin's Origin of the Species, well, and other you, you got to be careful books. though, because can you you have to separate the insight from the application, right? Um, I can I can find the scientific principles behind atomic energy. And then someone else can take those principles and make atomic weapons, right? But the two don't like, and that's kind of how I see these these guru types is your average well-adjusted person is going to use what they need to get a little more of what they want without breaking any crazy boundaries, breaking any rules or doing anything that's even remotely shady. The problem is, is that, yes, someone who's a little sociopathic, who doesn't really want to worry about the consequences, can look into this and essentially see a playbook for doing what like their brain and their mind doesn't need to be into it. They just have to be speaking in the right way. And they're like, I'll get what I want. But like what this is the, also like, what's responsible for a lot of guys who uh, um, they hide inappropriate behavior but like well you know what it is you got needs you know a guy you know a guy's gonna do what a guy's gonna do and like they get they get with that's this. the deceptive side though that's a different that's well, a different that, i'm not that's suggesting that's what the book is encouraging i'm just yeah. saying that it's territory that needs to be tread on extremely lightly of course because yeah. because in a perfect world people will look but, at that book and see it for what it is and its insight but i but suspect a, that a book like world, that 
has no shortcuts. And a lot of people, the crazy ones, are looking for shortcuts. They're like, what can I do in 10 minutes that will let me go to the bar tonight with my buddies and pick up a girl? What lie can I tell? What joke can yeah. I tell? What, what How easy do I do my hair? How do what car should I rent? What lie should I tell about what like what I do for a living? Those are, that's what the deceptive yeah. guys. And those guys are on? playing the total short game. They're yeah. like they don't care yeah. what happens after tonight. Yeah. So they don't care that they had to lie or cheat or do whatever because right. they they're never going to be held to account for it in six months time when the girl goes you're not at all like the guy that i met right they don't care about that like the the and i suspect that that book is not at all like that that it's really long term it's really like if you want to meet someone beyond something you know if you want to meet mrs right as opposed to mrs right now and give yourself a better advantage of like of getting her or getting her attention or, or having her reciprocate when you do find her here are some of the things that you can do that may help. But it's not like it, it's not a, a surefire thing and it's not like Well, I'll tell you we're what not doing anything dishonest. A, sorry, Richard, go ahead. In the in the same way that we don't know what it's like to be on the ladies' side, we also don't know none of us really know what it's like to be one of these broken guys who's socially yeah. awkward and <clears throat> like unable to 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 talk to ladies. And also there's there's a generational gap too, right? Yeah. Like we're all talking about experiences that we had perhaps years ago. Whereas if you're like an 18, 20 year old guy in like this ultra PC world where guys don't even know, like you're not even Jesus. allowed to be a guy. Okay. That's, like that's they're lost. Like that's they a, don't know. That's a, that's a great point that you make. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's more f- for those guys. And you know, well, for, I, for me, like I'm like Steve, you know, like the ladies fall at my feet, but you know, <laughs> that, that you know of, yeah. I, uh, I have folders, Richard. <laughs> folders full of them. So, I, I, yeah. I guess I can speak to the to the awkward side because that's pretty much most of my well, no, not most of all of my my adolescent years were spent awkward and not knowing how to talk to anyone. And again, it's that is. I mean, ladies were the only part of the problem. It was just <laughs> in general the awkwardness was across the board. Uh, the confidence was lacking across the board, and it was just a, yeah, it was just an overall thing to overcome, and and uh, a lot of the, a lot of the headway I made personally along that along those lines was outside of, completely outside of romantic relationships, and was more, uh, developed more in a work context, because I found myself, at some point in essentially high school part two if you're in a big company <laughs> it sounds like a horror film it 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 almost is some in some way but yeah, the, like yeah. yeah i mean you're you're in a, you're at a company the there's dynamics. thousands of people there's a cafeteria <laughs> there are cliques there are popular people there are popular, popular people. people yeah it's the same thing and i found myself in that situation again in a completely different context and it was there that i managed to change myself to be more confident to to be I wish I was as good as high school the first time around basically no it sounds to me like you had the maybe the foresight or just um, the instinct or whatever you want to call it to realize head-on I think you but that's one of the like the reasons I, I, I you know I have so much respect for you I think instinctively you've just been one of you're one of those guys that when something doesn't work you look internally first you look at your own shit first and you, you open up like, so, like it's the only part I can fix but that's I have no control of anything else that's not that's not what like I think 90% of people do right they blame 
circumstances, conditions, the weather, fucking magic, karma, uh, you know, the star alignments, whatever it is. And then finally, when they're completely backed into a corner and they're like, it was you. No. And then they use it and then that they fall apart, right? You ever, you ever tried telling someone, not in a confrontational way, like not during an argument, but a very honest sit down with someone that you love and respect and, and telling them that, listen, it's you. How often do you think that goes by well? Yeah. Not very. It's so not good. it's it's almost it's it's almost impossible to get someone to admit that it's them. Like you kind of have to like you have to come to that realization on your own. Well, especially now it's shaming. So especially now it doesn't fly anymore. <laughs> Cuz you're shaming. Well, there's shaming, shaming and shaming, but and, if you yeah. want to talk to somebody who's 700 pounds and you're concerned that they're going to have a heart a triple you know yeah. heart attack then you're you're no longer trying yeah, but to help th- them there's shaming shame. and shaming i think there's a gratuitous element in some yeah. of it but i think that you're allowed if it's someone that you care about and go like listen dude there's so you're 700 pounds like if you need help i'm here for you but it's got to come from you buddy like you got to figure out what it is and you know like it's just that you know it's it's difficult that's why it's hard to find because people have to come to it on their own and some people never kind of get right. to that point. That the one the one area where I see a lot of that being addressed, but in a disingenuous way, and then rarely in a genuine way, is these self-help books. Like That's a whole segment of literature, quote-unquote, or uh, media that I resent as a whole, but then know that there are islands of, of like good in. But there's like this whole ocean of... Uh, this is the kind of shaming that I do, in fact, resent, where it constantly goes like... Or a lot of the bad ones, you know, are all about like shaming you and saying like, see, you know, it's because you weren't doing these 12 steps. It's because you weren't doing this and you got to look, get, have this attitude and repeat this mantra and do this. But it's up to you and to work on yourself and blah, blah, blah. And then if this doesn't work, well, it's you're the reason it didn't work. And to a certain degree, that's true, right? To a certain degree, you're accountable to yourself. And that's what I'm saying that I admire is that you... You've kind of instinctively, your first instinct is to go back and open up your hard drive and start, you know, figuring out what's in there. But I, I just want to add that I don't also like necessarily this idea of the successfully, the successful guy that knows how to mate and knows how to approach women and knows how to pick them up or knows how to establish a relationship and the broken male who, who doesn't know how to do it. I mean, clearly there are unsuccessful men in that area and and men with a lot of uh, obstacles in their way. But I have to say that, well, there is, in fact, a lot to do internally. And I do applaud that that book sounds really cool for that, that it addresses that Uh, society. Like it's it's a confusing fucking like like formula, you know, I mean, just like the years are going by the trends the psychologies, the mentalities, and all we know is that we still want to have sex with women and women still want to have sex with men. But how all that works, the mating rituals, the dance, the foreplay, the engagements, like that's all up in the air. Like I feel horrible for some of these dudes who honestly have love to give, but they don't like I can completely understand someone who just doesn't know where to fucking start. Um, and I can't it, imagine what it's like to be a, like a pubescent like a like a teenager in this day and age that's got to be tough yeah that's got to be tough well, i think it was tough in every age it's in I certain think it's way. worse now you think it's worse now yeah, i think Why? it's worse now i don't know it's just it's very unpopular to like masculinity is pretty unpopular at the moment you know 
and everything associated with that is very unpopular. Well, certainly there's a, there's there's a bit of, obviously there's a backlash going on. I would agree the pendulum is swinging because it's. I think we're trying to right some wrongs that have been going on for some time, and as we've discussed in the past, uh, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I've posi- I've posited the the theory that when we adjust, it's always extreme adjustment, right? Well, like like when we notice a big social ill. And then we tend to like go right past that sweet spot where we should stop, right? And then we go right and we swing well, a little bit the other way. Well, it's because of this like strange desire for constant improvement, right? Like you never get to the middle point because you always feel like you should be doing more and more and more and more until you eventually get to the point where you're like, okay, wait, now we're at the ridiculous point. Okay, we got to start put pedaling the other way. And you kind of miss that sign point, that, that's, that signpost that just says you are here. Like this is okay. Like we can live with a couple of outlier cases we can live with this stuff yeah and then it depends also like you mentioned uh steve that one of the reasons why you were a little bit may you feel like maybe you were trained into sort of retreating into your corner and eating while everyone else was yelling um a lot of that tra- all of that training fire in the hole. Hole. all of that training all the training comes from childhood at some on some level, right? This is not a revelation, right? Absolutely. Right? I know exactly why I ended up the way I did. Right. There's nothing revelatory <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, most people again have no clue. So again, this is another insightful thing that that you you I think are fortunate to have um, figured out. But if we look at just the basic training of um, of of a male, right? You know, from our generation, let's say. All right. What is that package, right? So either you have some fucking super cool dad, some some silver fox fucking dude who was either a pilot or was a quarterback or was an exec at a company or was a big shot. And then, you know, whenever he swung around, he, you know, puts you in a little headlock and he's like, all right, man, let me show you how this is done. And, you know, and like there's that stereotype to the hardworking dad who was rarely around. But every time he did, he like took a knee and he's like, all right, son, you know, I just want to let you know you're doing good. To the one that was never fucking there, to the one that put out cigarettes on your back, to whatever. But what are the messages that at least I feel like maybe to a certain degree we all got similar messages when we were kids, as boys, I mean. And that's like, oh, you're going to be a little heartbreaker, right? You know when you're like that toddler stage and they start dressing you up and you're, you're mm-hmm. you know, and, the, and they're like, oh, isn't he a little heartbreaker? He's going to break all the hearts. You know, isn't that the cutest thing? And everyone gets in on it. The women, uh, interestingly, They'll the be most. beating them off with a stick. They'll be beating him off with a stick and like, look, look, what a, what a handsome little guy is. And the aunties are giving you kind of borderline creepy kisses at the Christmas party and they're combing your hair and, uh, you know, all this like kind of weird shit is happening. But and it's all harmless. But I feel like this is where it begins, this idea that you're a stud and you're going to get out, get out there and show what you're worth on that level. I don't know. Do you Maybe. think there's anything to that? Feel free to say no. I don't I, I don't I don't. It's it's one of those areas that for me is, is sort of like voodoo. There, it I, I there are so many. It's a good example is video games or movies, violent video games and violent movies. Okay, right. So if my kid plays a violent video game or, or or watches violent movies, are they going to become violent? Uh-huh. Probably not. And they've sh- shown that you know you're. Normal people look at something, play a violent video game or watch a violent movie and recognize that it's 
It's fiction. It's fiction. Like six-year-old kids, and I'm a normal person, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to all of a sudden become cuckoo bananas and 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 develop a thirst for for blood and want to kill people because I. Sure, but you're not playing that video game for like 20 years, right? Right, like it's not parenting. Right. So there are parts of there there are parts of parenting that I'm sure definitely affect a child, Um, and certainly. If over time you you instill an importance on purely physical looks on a child, that might that most likely have some kind of effect. Now, who doesn't do that? Who but doesn't also, want their kids to look the best? But it also depends. Like you can have ten children with the same pair of parents, or vice versa, one children with ten pairs of parents, and like what you tell your kids, if I had been your kid, might have been great for me and horrible for them. Like there's there's really no way like there's there's no way to avoid the fact that at some point your parents are going to do something over the course of twenty years that is going to impact you in some way like okay. can't be avoided. Fair enough, but I mean, okay, but without without being too broad here, and what I'm actually a- asking or suggesting here is that does douchebaggery start perhaps a little bit with how society treats boys and and men and I think it's encourage, more general. encourage encourages certain behaviors I'd remove the gender from it and just the fact that families are increasingly smaller we have fewer and fewer children the relative importance um, of every child becomes that much more magnified like my grandparents had like six or seven kids apiece and they loved all of their kids but they didn't have to love just one like a little prince. They're like, I've got about six earls and duchesses here. I don't have six princes and princesses, right? So they're they're important. They'd go to bat for them. But they'd be like, of course, I've got six. They're all different. You don't get to fall into the trap of thinking yours is special. And, and with no disrespect to any parents, every single parent is blind to their children. And... That's by design, I think. That's like biologically by design because you have to be willing to go to war for them without seeing the ways in which your kid is kind of a flop or maybe not so good looking or maybe not so talented or maybe just normal, like the worst possible thing. And that's really important. You can't discount your child as their own individual. Yeah. Rearing has something to do with it. But I mean, in my case, I learned more from my dad about what not to do by example than what to do i interpreted it knowing that maybe those actions weren't fantastic i'm not going to repeat them but are you also i'm going fuck- to avoid them but you're also a fuck done like your dad right yes that's how you know that that's not what to do because you are you're so much like him but but my interpretation was my own Right. Okay. Yeah. If I had, uh, you I'm not. I'm not yeah. debating self determination. Well, we point. all look that's at our kids with, like, through rose-colored glasses. I think. You know? Yeah. And and I, I'd like to think that I do to us. They, but that they can't all right. be the best and cutest and brightest. Like yeah. that's just I simple. Fact. You gotta they can't. See the baby. In my def- not in my defense. I don't want to defend myself, but I would like to say that I, I I've been lucky enough to to realize like, my son, everyone, uh, my oldest son, everyone since he was born has wanted has loved him and told him he was special right not not us like obviously yeah. we love him and tell him he's special but actually no tell him he's special we've never told him he's special but he just is he's a he's a he's a sociable child he he makes 
uh, like the daycare women were all but that isn't special. Like, that's kind of my argument is that that's not special. Like mm-hmm. every kid out there is someone's kid, someone's niece, someone's nephew, someone's grandchild. Yeah. Like, and it, it's just normal that they seem special because the, their uniqueness to you is what in fact makes them special. It's genetic. I know yeah. for a fact that genetics and, have prevented me from and like, like I said, my there's, there's nothing. The whole <laughs> part, there's nothing thing has partially to do with the fact that we all see our own kids as being super special. Well, and we see our and friends' kids the same way too, right? Like I, I shouldn't should. just make it about parents. I fight. So I fight. Is what I was trying to say is that everyone else, I thought I was going to be the one that's going to have to like rein it in. Yeah. But in fact, we just once he came along, everyone else was just like people were stopping us on the street and like they couldn't get over how cute and smart he is. And still, every day we hear someone tell us how smart and cute he is. And sure. You know, chalked some of that up to just blowing smoke. But the fact is, people are nuts for this kid, right? Hmm. We've actually ended up in the opposite role where we're fighting that we're trying to bring him down and make bring him realize him that he is special, but to us, not more, not special enough to trample other people. I think a better message yeah. is cute and smart doesn't get you anywhere. Like, hmm. or everywhere. In maybe. high school, yeah. in grade school, in high school, those things may carry you through. But when you're 23 years old, you're trying to apply for your first real job, you're just out of university, no one cares that you're cute and smart. They're like, you aren't giving me the results I want. I don't care how clever you are when we do the office party. Like Mm -hmm. that stuff, it's of limited currency. And I think the better message is more like your specialness and your all of these things, they're true, but they don't matter in the real world because in the real world, you're not my kid or the fact that you're my kid doesn't matter yeah no i i constantly tell them i'm like no one else is gonna put up with this shit buddy (laughs) no one if you i have the patience of a saint no but seriously i'm like dude sometimes like dude you know that i care and i have to hear listen to this no one else is gonna want to listen to this this hissy fit that you're throwing right now but anyway go on i was just gonna say across all of these topics you the, the one thing too that you can't discount is just there's people who are just have some really shitty luck you can be you, you can have yeah. all the confidence in the yeah. world and never find the person you are meant to find you can be the smartest person in the Smell world good, and and have good hair and yeah. never find that well, the that opposite right job or the, the opposite you could be a complete fuck up and land into the job opportunity of a lifetime and be exactly. set for life like, yeah. yeah yeah or just be like a very average looking fella with not a lot of uh social tact but like mop up at the bar or whatever like you have the ladies eating out of your hand we see it all the time pheromones or something yeah you know those guys are like you must have money right like no not always sometimes it's it's just dumb luck and maybe even just being bold about it right i've seen it i was in the virgin islands once i met a girl we ate lobster drank pina coladas at sunset we made love like sea otters That was a pretty good day. Why couldn't I get that day over and over? Let's keep this smooth. You know, let's keep this going in a smooth way. Uh, the Paris attacks. Go. <laughs> Something lighthearted. What is there to say? I, I, that's how I feel about these things. People want to talk about them ad nauseum. And I'm like, what is there to say? Something yeah. really awful happened to a bunch of people who didn't deserve it. And it was perpetrated by a bunch of people who shouldn't be associated with any group in particular because they're just nuts, yo. Like, they're just, they're fucked up people. Mm-hmm. All like, right. What is there to say? Next topic.
you. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, I, I clearly don't uh, have any desire uh, to, you know, ad nauseum, I think is the perfect uh, term uh, because, you know, the media and everybody has, has, you know, profoundly trampled that subject. But I think that at the same time, it, um, I hesitate to say this, but I feel like it has changed things a little bit. Um, it has shifted the tone uh, globally. At least uh, I've noticed a bit of a change. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot to say about this. I don't, I don't know. There's, there's certainly no use in, I feel, to going back over the idea of, like, acknowledging that this was a horrible effect, a horrible incident and that murder is wrong and that crazy people were involved and innocent people were hurt and all that stuff. Yeah, okay, I think we're all on, on board there. But I think what's um, what's changed for me, I don't know if you guys agree with this, is that I feel that what it has done is it sort of served as there's a bit of a wake-up call factor to it. I think that above anything else, it's a fantastic reminder that racism and bigotry is still alive and very much well throughout the world. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I... Uh... I just think the problem with these things, without wanting to minimize, of course, the the tragedy for anyone involved, and that includes, you know, the people who died, their families, countries as a whole, basically anyone who's aware of it, is that there are things that are that you can prevent with a high degree of certainty, and there are things which you cannot prevent or predict with a high degree of certainty. These types of things fall into the second category. And what these things do that cause a problem is it blinds people to looking at the things which they can actually change. Like Will Wheaton put up, like I saw come through my Facebook feed, this thing that basically showed like since 9-11, something like 3,000 people killed in terrorist attacks and something along the lines of 110,000 people dead in the U.S. due to gun violence. And I'm like, that you can change, that you can legislate, that you can control but people are talking about the fact that like a bunch like an isolated group of people went and perpetrated a horrible crime and like this is going to happen again and there's no amount of security measures or prevention that is going to prevent something like this happening again or the measures that they're putting in place are not going to help but they're going to strip people of their exactly. their freedoms like at some point you have to accept you you have to be willing to accept that the price of these liberties means that sometimes you're like you're gonna drop some and I, i'm not arguing that there shouldn't be due diligence that we shouldn't be pursuing promising leads that are are, are you know in, that if we find people or, or plots associated with terrorist groups that we shouldn't be taking action we just need to be careful that is this really the best use of so much of our energy and resources? Like, are there not better ways we could be spending our time and resources to prevent more deaths and more tragedies than these that make really good media bait? Because yeah. they're not controversial in a lot of ways. It's just like, it's very easy to say this and everyone will rally behind and you, the news cycle keep going with this for weeks on end. And right. like, well, it's good for business for them. Exactly. Sure. And I mean, not that they're all sitting in their offices plotting like like evil geniuses thinking, oh, we're waiting for the next big thing. But it, just the way news works, like it just works for them. Yeah. Well, definitely hearing the, the political rhetoric that's coming out of France right now 
very much reminds me of George W. Bush post 9-11. Yeah. Right? Like, we're not... We're not going to allow ourselves to be afraid, and we will defeat the evildoers. Well, yeah, this like black and white, defeat the evildoers. Uh, we'll do whatever is necessary to protect the people and get people scared enough to be able to, you know, give up the all of their their rights and freedoms in the name of security. Yeah, you know yeah. that seems to be just a narrative that just keeps playing over and over and over again, and people just don't seem to see it for what it is you know it's particularly interesting that it's happened in france too because that's typically been the country that has not taken the bait of the getting scared and policing up and and blocking everything Mm -hmm. right so it's interesting that it's happened there where they're like the one of the countries that refused to get into the paranoia game after 9-11 right and now they're going down that same path right but they've always had a Hmm. a problem with uh with 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 extreme racism i mean if you look at i mean marseille is often referred to as a police state because when you see cops who are all pretty much in riot gear or what looks all the time you kind of get an idea of what's going down yeah and they've you know i i think europe as a whole has had an immigration problem for a long time i mean since sins of the past man uh, absolutely. Sins of the past. But it's also, it. it's harder to maintain a fallacy like that in a country like Canada, where it's a younger country, it's built by immigration. Like, like immigration is the only reason this country exists. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. And it's the only reason this country exists, whereas a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, European countries, they they live with this kind of fantasy idea of this continuous, like we've been, you know, French for 1300 years or whatever, ever since narratives, you know, ever since the, the Roman became like the official language of the French state, right? Like the, in the eight hundreds, like we've been French for 1300 years. And this notion that the Frenchmen of, you know, 19th century Paris and the Frenchmen of 21st century Paris don't look the same is a much harder thing for them to digest. Like there's a an inbred conservatism that is tied into this national identity of like, we know what French people look like and it's struggling with the realities of like, no, this just isn't tenable anymore. Like you can't simply, you can't have this, the, like this, this homogenous population that all looks the same except for regional dialects you're like that's not well uh, that's exactly works anymore. that's that's what i meant by since the past right to be to be clear yeah. on that is that uh we love france and all this other stuff and it's a romantic country and it's beautiful and it's artistic and there's all this stuff we love and they've contributed to philosophy and literature and, and human thinking and you know luminaries they, they this is a country rich in culture and rich in, in its uh, uh contributions but it's also like all the leading European nations, um, bloodied, ha- deeply deep skeletons in its closet um, with regards to Africa, with regards to, you know, and that, I was speaking to one French guy, one student I have, because I have quite a few. It was a weird week after that happened uh, because yeah, I can imagine. <clears throat> I immediately started trying to reach all my students that I know are from there to find out if they're OK, if their families are OK. And um with one exception, um, it was it was cool. Like they they happened to be, okay. One guy um, lost a friend uh, oh, who me. was across the street, across the street from one of the situations, and he just he just caught a stray one, right? So, 
So, but the the fact is that the sins of the past mean you know like they he he told me specifically he's like you know a lot of people have also this narrative about France from a distance that yeah. it's this paradise uh, of culture and museums and tourism, but that uh, things like like armed aggression, like in the streets, <coughs> is something that Paris and and France has been dealing with for some time, uh, starting with everything from the sectorial violence of like the Basques and the Cors Corsicans, yeah. uh, then the Algerian reaction. Yeah. I mean, you're going back at least 150 years of like, you know, there's a reason it's what, the Troisième Régime, yeah. like the third, third regime. regime. And you're like, there's a reason these things happen. There's a lot of overthrow and violence and political. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like armed robberies with Kalashnikovs, which still yeah. happen in Paris up until this moment. Um, I'm talking, uh, he told me that it was not completely out of this world to hear on the news, like on the six o'clock news in Paris, that some Saudi prince or something was downtown with his fleet of SUVs and then a bunch of other guys that no one knows where the fuck they came from had a full-on like open machine gun battle in the streets somewhere in like a touristic area, but that the, the news does its best to kind of keep it under wraps and not make too much of a thing about it. Um, and yeah, he, he said Algeria alone, just the Algerian reaction oh, from what they did over there uh, and the African reaction from what they did over there and what they're doing over there. You know, it's, it's, it's not as simple as it seems. But no, I think you're absolutely right that there is this narrative and then now that, that they cannot sort of hold it in place anymore. Well, it has scary parallels with Quebec, right? That's why when I hear like these separatist parties, for the most part, um, spout this like Perlin rhetoric i'm like you're you're trying to create old this, stock canadians you're, yeah you're trying to create this weird uh make-believe type of quebecer that never really existed in the way that you like to think of them or that if they did they existed in such a tiny minority compared to all the other populations sharing this space that it's like it's just dangerous thinking to start the true Canadians or the true Quebecois. Yeah, it, that's the, just the it's true very, French, very, true very dangerous to start Agreed. thinking it's like divisive, that. Yeah. Like, I do, I do agree with you in a large part, uh, Richard. That it seems like whether you believe, do not believe what the news is telling you, uh, whether you're a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist or um, uh, you know someone cynical about what's being t told to you, it can't. You can't deny the fact that all of this seems to have been serving this police takeover, military The speech shutdown. was like word for word George W. Bush from 2001. Hollande, uh, François Hollande's speech? Yeah, yeah. it right. was word for word. Well, and Bush was never more popular in the U.S. than in the months following 9-11. Of course. Because Good he was business. putting on his tough guy persona, right? And that's what, that's what people want to hear. They want people to blame. They want reassurances that the people responsible are going to be brought to justice. That they're they want right promises. here in this particular yeah, and, spot on the map. And they want promises that... You know, we're going to go after these guys, and that's going to keep your families safe. That's what we're they the want to hear. Guys, they're the bad guys. Yeah, like that's a human thing. No one wants like, to hear as the soon truth. As we all band together against this outside foe. Yeah. Then all well, of a sudden, it, it, we're not fighting each other anymore. Yeah. And no like, one wants to hear the together. truth. It's like, no, we can't promise you that we can prevent all of these. No, we can't promise you that, like, that your neighbor isn't dangerous. But right. we can, at the very least, acknowledge that, like. These like terrorism is not a racial thing, it's not a religious like it's not a uh, it doesn't it isn't the province of one race or one religion like it's like you could you have white American terrorists 
You can have black American terrorists. In you fact, can uh, have... let me throw an ironic one at you. How did France fight the German occupation? Terrorism. Exactly. In fact, England and France... Uh, well, ter- ter- terrorism is like a very... It's Sorry, freedom very, fighters. A very recent invention. It's a, it's a marketing word. It's a PR Pretty word. Pretty much. Right? And all these speeches are written by marketing PR people. Yeah. And, so, someone... and it's probably the same dudes who wrote George W. Bush's yeah. speech in 2001. Well, someone's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter, right? Like exactly. that's Yeah. Now we have all these it. buzzwords. Or rebels. Like, like, yeah, exactly. You know, you have your terrorist, you have your conspiracy theorist, like... These are all just ways to put people into neat little categories and to dismiss them. Right. And, and or, also, vil- or vilify them. And distract from the subject or try to uh, focus them into these easily digestible... Our leaders aren't... Like our, the speeches that come from leaders, they don't come from our leaders. They come <laughs> from their PR people. Yeah. In order to deal... To put the spin on whatever situation is happening in order to spin that situation into something advantageous for whatever regime that they want to put in place. And if that's more control over the population, then, you know, as horrible as it is, a a terrorist uh, attack works very well into that narrative. Yeah, and it allows you to to, to, uh, skip over little gems like the fact that I think almost, almost all of the guys that perpetrated the Paris attack were French and Belgian. Born, yeah, I believe that they were born and raised. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that's the, that's the interesting thing about the whole um, ISIS thing, is that the attacks that happen around the world are not people who come from those areas. Yeah. It's almost a social media war, right? So they they get all these defectors, like disenfranchised people from anywhere, and they all follow them on Twitter. And so there's something about the rebellious message you know, anti-Western message that resonates with them. And then... It's a whole some, new way of pissing that off, right? Yeah, and some very troubled people are willing to do some fucking horrible things in because of this, because they buy into that narrative. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it was... Uh, there was a Vice article. I think I sent it over to you uh, afterwards. Um, and directly following the... Uh, some major losses that happened in the Middle East from ISIS is when these attacks happened. Yeah, they got hit hard, right? They got hit hard. They lost one of their major, major whole. Uh, and that's something they problems. used to criticize Al Qaeda for. Is that like they would say, like, "Oh, Al Qaeda, you're, you know, you're doing these terrorist attacks because you're losing on the battlefield," and now they've done the same thing. So they lost like some major strongholds in the Middle East, and as a result, in order to keep, keep stay relevant like, to save face. They they do these these attacks to break the radio silence on Twitter after they're like a crushing defeat. Right. So now everybody, all these little pockets of you know individuals around the world who cheer them on when they do these these attacks are are still on board because they're keeping the PR machine going. Really? Even though uh, what they've prided themselves on for years, which was this. Um, Apparently, their whole reason for breaking away from Al Qaeda was like, like that they saw this as like ad- amateurish, this like the sectorial, um, you know, uh, attrition war. They're like, no, 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 no. We need to establish real estate. We need to build the caliphate and then like own it. And ground wars is how we're going to win this and undo the the 
the different uh, the partitions that the the British had imposed upon right. the Middle East. The Zionists, like, uh, we don't Western agree. With, you know, we don't recognize your borders. Right, but yeah. now they've been reduced. They've they've gone right back to that because on the ground they're getting the shit kicked out of them by. I'm not even sure who it is at this point that's beating yeah, them. Probably back. about 25 countries sending about a thousand soldiers each, kind of thing. Or just Russians bombing indiscriminately as they, they, they usually do. But without Could going be. to get too much into the like the little details of it, right? Um, um, I think what you said, uh, Eric, was very interesting. Is that it's distracting us from problems that were that are within our power to affect, right? I think of uh, Laquan McDonald, the the last. Not the last, unfortunately, will not be the last, but the latest uh, black teen uh, to be shot down by a policeman in Chicago, I think. Hmm. Uh, and uh, Actually, no, he got shot in 2014, but the video just surfaced. I'm sure you guys have seen it. So quick rundown. Um, all the video shows is that it's like the highway or this like multi-lane street. And this black kid is just kind of running across the lanes. And of course, I think the cops are you know yelling at him to like, stand down and he maybe he's holding something or not but he's clearly not making any threatening gestures at anyone and then he takes one you, you, you see him go down like a like a like a fucking yeah. deer you know in a hunting Shit, I didn't see this. you just see him yeah. drop to the ground but that that's when the party actually begins because him going down from the shot is not the not the travesty the the 15 shots that come afterwards as he's already down oh my god and it's like it's a grainy video, but you literally see like the dust lifting off of his body as this guy, uh, Jason Van Dyke, I think his name is the cop, emptied his entire clip into an already downed, unarmed, uh, non-threatening or whatever. Yeah, armed or not, he clearly wasn't threatening after no, that first. No, no, no. And the guy was behind his car. Like this guy was doing nothing to anybody, right? But he took him down, and then he emptied the clip. And if I remember correctly, he may have been actually going to reload. He was going to put some more rounds into him. Wow. And like one of the fellow officers were like, "What the fuck are you doing, man?" Was he panicking? Unknown, unknown. But it's so bad this time that they're not even running the usual police PR game, where they're like, "Well, we suspended him without pay or with pay, and we're reviewing the case." and we want everybody to be quiet and to give us time to do no like he's up on murder one like he's 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 looking yeah. at murder one and even the cops are like uh yeah we yeah don't we don't want to, want to yeah we're not even they're like this is okay this is completely fucking out of bounds right so like is would that you consider that some like some, something that is more within our potential um, capacities to tackle i do um how do we tackle it give us the solutions i do <laughs> although i mean i don't know that I was going to say, I don't know that that's where we start, but I think that that's not really what I mean. What I mean is, like, if you're looking at what will make the greatest impact, like, you really have to look at, I mean, if we're taking the U.S. as an example, you really have to look at, okay, what makes the greatest impact? You're like, the fact that everyone can carry guns. That That's the, the kind of the top of the pyramid that makes everything else fall into place the way it does. Because not that these things never happen in Canada. Like, I don't want to pretend that all policing here is perfect. I mean, we can easily find examples of it not being. Very easily. But I would say that on the whole, our policing is better because one, cops don't generally have to worry about the person they're pulling over or arresting pulling a firearm on them. And if it is a firearm, it's not a goddamn assault rifle. Yeah, it's a firearm. Right? So With and, 800 clips in it. So, I mean, there's th that's kind of the, the sort of the first thing. 
and the second thing is I'd like to think that on the whole, um, we we don't sort of fight the cops here, I guess is maybe the best ways. We kind of accept that we want policemen in our neighborhoods. We want people patrolling and keeping things safe. But there are plenty of places in the U.S. where that feels like a new colonialism for them. Like, okay, we... You know, we're Americans, we're free, I'm going to protect my land and my rights, and I don't need no stinking cops, like, coming over here to tell me how to do my business. And you're like, that's not an attitude that is that common right. in Canada. We're like, like okay. black, Yeah, well, like, even in neighborhoods where there are predominantly ethnic or black people, like, the moment a cop car rolls in, there'll be some jokes and be like, oh, here we go, here's the popo, whatever. But it's not immediately like, shit, someone's going to die. We don't have this, like, don't tread on me thing. Well, the, the police, yeah. the police in the U.S. feel like they're going to war every time they answer a call, so they act like soldiers, and that's kind of the problem. Like that's policemen are, it. in the largest sense, of the word are peacekeepers. That's their job, making sure that neighbor A and neighbor B aren't doing anything dangerous to one another, and their job is to prevent that from happening. And then turn these people over to the legal system who will then determine who's at fault and who deserves to be punished for what. Cops in the U.S. act like soldiers. Everybody, when they're on a call, they're at, they're at war and they have to defend themselves. And this is for America. And if I have to shoot some asshole for it, then fuck it. That guy deserves to die. Right. Like there's a it's like mentally, it's not the same job. Well, I mean. There, I 100% agree. And there's other other sites to this as well. Because apparently, another whole background thing with this uh, Laquan McDonald thing is that uh, immediately after the shooting happened, a bunch of his mates from the police force rushed into a fast food restaurant nearby where the security cameras had caught some of the stuff, and like ordered the the French the like the Burger King guy, manager to like give them access to the, the video camera. footage. And he was like, well, of course, officers, this way. And he went in and he sat down and he started deleting videos, like, one after the other. Wow. Just started wiping the drives. like. And then he, he was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? He's like, uh, it's not, get out of here, like, out, right? And he's like, no, 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 hang on, you can't do that. No, 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 no. And, yeah, they, they, tried, they did try to back him on, on that day. Hmm. But now everyone's, like, running for cover. For so. Sure. Clearly, that's not just a war zone problem. This there's like a cultural. No, but divide war zone us versus them, exactly. That's what I mean when I say. So war that's zone. that's like from that standpoint. Yeah, them. yeah. So as a U.S. policeman of 25 years, uh, Steve, how do you handle this situation? No, but seriously, like, what do you what do you, what do you think about this fucking madness? Because we've had a lot of these good talks, you and I, you know, and then you you were one of the first people to, to ever just speak the words. And I think you and Eric have this in common is I'll be like trying to get to this point, trying to get to this point, And then you'll chime in and then say two words. I'm like, that's what I've been trying to say this whole fucking time. <laughs> right. And I, the whole idea of like your rights end where the other persons begin and all like, do you have a perspective on this? Um, I don't. And it's because I, because unfortunately it's not my problem. Okay. And I don't and I don't mean that in a way to sound flippant, but I'm a white North American dude. I have no problem with police because they have no problem with me. Um I have no problem with anything that's happening in the Middle East or France because it's not happening to me. Uh I don't 
I'm, I'm not in any perspective to have, I, I, I want to have an opinion on it. And there are certainly lots of things I can say about injustices or whatnot that happened to many people around the world, but none of them happened to me. And I'm, I'm extremely fortunate that that's, that's my case, but it also puts me in a really shitty place to have an informed opinion about it. So you're, you're act, actually checking the fuck out of your privilege. <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> he yeah. has never. No one has ever checked their privilege like this man. Okay, so just to be under, it's clearly you're not saying you don't have any compassion or or, or pain for these these awful things that are happening, but you feel that because you're not of that segment that's affected, that you're you don't have a a, a credible opinion I've, to bring. I'm silent because I don't know what I can bring to the conversation that is of any use whatsoever. Well, I feel guilty now. Well, I, I, so, I, again, there there are a lot of things that I could articulate about it, and and it's it's certainly not the first time that any a conversation of the like has happened around me. But every time I want I want to offer an opinion, I feel yeah. like you should. I don't I don't me. disagree with Steve at all. I like I kind of. I, I'm happy to give my opinion on things, even if my opinion is of no uh, sort of doesn't bear the stamp of any expertise whatsoever. But I think the bottom line is, yeah, no one shot at me. I'm not discriminated against when I take an airplane. I'm not discriminated against by the cops. If I'm driving down the street on a Saturday night with three of my friends and my wife in the car, I'm not getting pulled over. So it's very difficult for me to go, I know how to fix this or I know what to do. And I, and I don't, and that, and at the same time that I, that I say, I don't know where to stand. I, I certainly agree with, with, with what Eric was saying beforehand. Um, and I think we all do there, you know, shitty people doing shitty things is, is a, is a shitty thing. I mean, there's, there's, there's no, other, I mean, you can't, you can't not agree. Yeah. It'd be difficult to not agree that, that anyone losing their life over any unjust reason or any reason whatsoever is is just not something that you you're capable of entertaining but um but yeah like i was saying outside before the worst thing that i have to deal with is that if i wear a bomber jacket in public people think i'm a skinhead and i did think that you means a little bit skinhead yeah today. and but but say. but people are still going to leave me the fuck alone okay here's a counterpoint and entertain it if you will or disregard it but shouldn't the fact that you are in f so untouched by this particular brand of violence and, and conflict um, make it even more crucial that someone like yourself with your package um, weigh in and actually try to affect change? Not that I'm saying this is your responsibility, but I'm saying you would agree that this, this the, the, the comforts that you enjoy in life as a working man with safety and law and, and, and all the other things that are given to you, you certainly agree that everyone should get a shot at that, right? That 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 everybody should have the opportunity to enjoy those freedoms. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly in a place to be a megaphone for these people. Right. But I'm saying that every in a perfect world, right, every black man, every Chinese man, etc., should be able to enjoy these rights and to to feel safe and be able to take a drive with their wife and their friends and not expect to get fucked with based on their culture, color, religion, etc. Right? Right. So I'm just saying, like, could it could could it be then that in 
it, could it be that it's the wrong approach? Not the wrong approach. That's so sanctimonious. But could it be that you have maybe even uh, uh, possibly more to offer because you can lobby as you're not the threatened party? You can you have a better perspective uh, on what are these freedoms and these these rights that are not being given to certain certain sec segments of the population? Yeah. Like, the, like can, people like you need to speak up is what I'm saying. Yes, because no one's going to because I can shout. and No one's going to tell me to shut up. Right. That maybe yeah. that, that, that there's an opportunity there is what I'm saying. Yes. And that's to, just to, and I, that's not I'm not encouraging you again to be um, that like uh, blonde lady with the Native American shawl at the town hall meeting <laughs> yelling louder than the actual Inuits who are being poisoned by mercury and crying and holding on to her inukchuk or whatever but clearly i i just i'm offering this counterpoint is there perhaps even more an opportunity there for you to speak up since people will actually fucking listen to what you have to say as opposed to um there's there are two different things people will let him speak it doesn't mean they're going to listen to what he has to say okay fair enough and it's like if you go to court and the defendant like you can't have a case without a defendant so I can walk into the court and say, this is unjust, and the judge can tell me, uh, well, no one's pressed any charges, or the person who was wronged in this affair has not brought this to our court. So check your privilege. Like, what the hell are you doing here, right? Like, it's, it's it, I remember when, years and years ago, I was dating this girl, and I was about maybe 18 or 19, and she was going on and on about like how these things are unfair and women are being discriminated against. And I'm like, yeah, okay, great. And she's like, we're going to walk in this like parade. And I'm like, I'll be there with you. And she's like, no, you can't come. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't come? And she's like, it's not your fight. She's like, I want, like, I'm, I love the fact that you're supportive. I love the fact that you're kind of in my corner, but Mickey doesn't fight for Rocky. Like at some point Rocky has to fight and your job is to be Mickey. So you say, like, get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey loves you. Like, you say that shit, but you don't actually throw any punches. Like, it's it's a tough... I mean, I don't know that I agree with her, but I that's kind of often degree. the relationship when I have wanted to get involved on behalf of other people. That's often what I've been told. Like, no, no, like, you can't speak with authority because you're not a victim in this scenario. Right. And, and I, I think there's... I, I really agree with you on that point. However... You know, if we talk about something like women's rights to not be harassed in the public place, etc., um, isn't it much more powerful for a guy who doesn't get harassed to to block some other guy and be like, "Okay, dude, that's not cool." Like, doesn't that have agency? Doesn't that have a more like, like, "Oh shit, okay, guys are telling me that they're not cool with this kind of behavior anymore. I need to, okay, I really need to, you know, for those of them that well, don't listen to what women's rights are inextricable from just male female dynamics right so if yeah. women are saying that they want to have more then that more needs to come from men so to exclude men from that conversation is self-defeating yes there that, that makes my point yeah. exactly yeah and if you want to what would you rather see uh, a million uh, a million man march of black people um, which is fine. I, mean, I support that uh, <laughs> but uh, if it's a if the if what's on the table is is race, then how much more fucking cool it is to have people of all colors and all races kind of marching on that, marching that march and going like, yeah, we also feel like actually we are on the uninjured parties, but we're not okay with 
black people getting fucking yeah, shot. You, you need to use those those allies on the other side. Yeah. We all yeah. need each other, right? And to exclude them from the conversation, I think. And that's that's a huge problem with feminism, like current, the contemporary feminism. All right, do it. Yeah. How do you see this? How do you see this? I, I just, yeah, it just seems like uh, men's voices are not, uh, even in support of feminism, are not uh, welcome at the at at the table okay you know then that and i think that's a it's a fundamental flaw in that in that uh, ideology it's like oh well it's it's a female problem so it's only females that can deal with it and the same way that eric wasn't invited to march with them i think that would be much more powerful to have you know regardless of your genitalia you know that you're you're in favor of this cause and people from both camps can rally behind the same banner I think that's way better than than just ex- excluding some of your potential supporters. Right. Although with, with that particular case, with the gender issue, I mean, uh, I think the problem there is that the one of the big issues is the perception of women and treatment of women by men. So right. you can sort of understand the reluctance to, to reach out to men in certain areas. But how much more powerful is it for other men to tell men like the offending men that their treatment of women is not acceptable agreed agreed. you know and then more and more men join that camp until it's like 99 percent of the population regardless of genitalia who are saying to the one percent fucking shit well i certainly agree (laughs) that what i hate to see is what i hate to see is someone like a woman let's say that's very very um active or militant in that regard uh, that's not what I hate to see. I'm saying I'm, I hate to see a woman uh, who's expressing those issues and expressing those points of views, and then uh, to see her either just brush aside, dismiss, or even kind of rage at a man uh, who might be going like, "Yeah, you know, I don't think that's cool either," and uh, huh. you know, I hate to see it. And be like, you know what? Uh, we'll, we're okay over here, buddy, man. Yeah, don't you don't need to save us. Yeah, don't start. Don't mansplain like the mansplain that that expression, well, which, uh, which the, I, the the way I that I see with. it is is I mean whatever group you want to take it is if you want certain elements within a group to change their behavior, the pressure has to come from within that group, not outside that group. Exactly. So we're we're back to the yeah. working on yourself. No, situation. sort of. Yeah. <laughs> well, like like Richard's saying, like how much more powerful is it for a guy to step in and go, dude? She she told you she's got she's no no interest. We're at work. What the hell are you doing? Like, step the fuck off. Like, that's way more that like a guy that considers you like one of his peers or one of his group and you do that. That's way more powerful than anybody else coming to tell you that it won't work, which is why that like all these approaches of like with all of the Syrian refugees and stuff that are like, oh, well, you know, they're terrorists, they're harboring this and that and the other thing or uh, or news anchors kind of blaming individual French Muslims for not having spotted this attack. And you're like, whoa, time out. Like, can we just like, <laughs> like, can we separate these two things? But the fact is, is that if you've identified a group as being potentially dangerous, you know, let's say uh, white supremacists in the U.S., then white people in the U.S. need to be the people telling them not to do this stupid shit. It doesn't really matter if some Japanese guy gets on the news and says, hey, what you guys are doing, it's kind of fucked up. 
Like that doesn't resonate. But if your buddy Jim, who's like, dude, I put that stupid white hat away 20 years ago because it's fucking dumb. What the hell are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. like grow maybe, up, man. Maybe that's a little bit what's at the heart of the the misunderstanding because I do believe a lot of this is confusion based of women shunning men trying to assist or trying to be like I'm, I'm with you is that they maybe there is this dialogue internally in that movement that like we need to talk to our bitches first like we need to talk to our our dumb asses within our own I ranks don't, I don't know that's the word they'd use but oh know. they would use that word and that's the other thing that I find really interesting is the same it's way, word. same way that some some gay guys, uh, some gay guys think that being gay uh, gives them the right to be horrible to women because this is a thing, or guys. Horrible in general. No, oh, no, yeah, horrible no, to women, saying. like particularly horrible to women. This is a thing. Ask, mm-hmm. and we will ask our friends. I've, I've witnessed it. Yeah. Yeah, they think like, oh, I'm gay, and so I can just say any kind of outlandish shit to a woman because no, I'm no longer sex. I'm not sexually interested in her. So I'm just going to go all out, right? Mm-hmm. So the same way as that mistake goes on, some people go off the reservation there. Um, I think some, you know, this is exactly what we were just talking about. I think it's a human, like, folly. It's a human obsession that when we discover a big problem and then we all realize that it's a problem fire and hole, uh-huh. such as being thirsty. I'd, and I'd just like to add an aside that I'm a little embarrassed at how many of the fire in the holes have been directly they're small, caused they're, by me they're small cans they're small cans let's let's yeah. be clear those here. cans are tiny man there's no judgment here there's no judgment here. <laughs> there's a little this bit is of a judgment. safe space <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh i just wanted to make the parallel that what's interesting about all of these different topics that we've covered is it seems like it always comes back to the same thing we stumble across something that's horribly wrong right either a shootout or uh, a killing or some sort of tragedy suddenly wakes us up to a reality like shit, man. Racism be bad, and oh no, women's and women and men, it's not equal, etc. Right? And our immediate reaction is to look for a enemy of some type that we can we can wrap our heads around and direct our missiles at. Yeah, right? People want a scapegoat, but like everything. one nice packaging like enemy, right? And and then to direct your ire against because the the converse or the opposite is to admit the horrible reality is that there is no clear target. There is no fucking torpedo shaft or whatever. There's, there's no, no simple answer. There's no one place where you could drop those two two torpedoes and blow up the Death Star, you know? Yeah. I just made a Star Wars analogy. Yeah, but, nice. Well, a hundred um, years ago... It's complicated. If a hundred years ago... And fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. A hundred years ago, if two countries or two... Groups, two coalitions decided to go to war. They would dig trenches in the dirt, and you would know that the people that you're fighting with, everyone's on one side, everyone's on the other side. Now the standard warfare is urban warfare, where like half the people that are there are your ally, the other half are not. You don't know which is which. You're like that's civilians. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just a reflection of like this is the world you live in now. You don't get to hear a news story two weeks after it's happened because that newspaper has to cross the Atlantic. Like yeah, now filming during everything's the happening yeah. now. Like, yeah. so you don't get to pretend that there are these little pocket groups that can exist outside of this. Like that's just not how it works. Like it just, it, it, but you not know, how it works. it's almost like the lack of communication, the speed of communication being slower and us having less ability to immediately communicate these things to each other had this weird beneficial byproduct of us needing time to sort of 
sit with the information and figure it out a little bit and like come up mm-hmm. with an idea and it was, was going to be a couple of weeks till the next report came in you know but now while we're getting all the info we're getting none of the time to process it or to be able to handle it all right yeah. and you just like listen to the media coming from the other side of the and it's completely different it's almost the <laughs> the opposite of what we're hearing here so it, it can get really confusing I don't listen to much news because I, I can't be bothered to keep up, and I feel like every day I'm supposed to be outraged about something new. And I'm oh like, my God. I don't have it in me. It's I don't, terrible. I don't have it in me. Like I have an RSS feed, like most of you, on my on my phone or my iPad or whatever. Uh, and even like the art stuff that I that I want to read, like photography stuff, whatever. It's somehow the 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 death and nastiness is slipping even into that those categories. And I'm like. I'm in the fucking fashion, uh, like magazine. How how is this still about France and 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 with the murders? Like like, can I get a break? And then the danger being, of course, that you get so disenchanted that you start reading nothing but dipshit news, and then we're back to Kanye episode one. <laughs> we're back to we're back to figuring out what hairdo Drake's gonna have on his next album because we can't deal with the, the insanity. So I, I think I can maybe sort of slightly answer your question from before about because of the place I'm in and what I can do. And that's, and it kind of answers Richard's, not really question, but, but whatever statement before is that the only thing I can do is act. So in a, in the case of feminism, my opinion, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because I'm, on the side of equality I'm that's not where I can bring any help because there's enough people talking about equality I'm in the position to act in because of where I am and 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 what I can do and it's the same you're bisexual is that what you're telling no I'm (laughs) I'm saying that in the if I'm on the other side of feminism and I agree with it, then all I can do is act. It doesn't, I, me saying something doesn't bring anything else. Absolutely. I disagree, but I understand why you feel the way that you do. But I disagree. I think that you still have agency. But it, it's not because you've assumed the correct attitude. I think that you have nothing to add to the no, but conversation. That's his point. The point yeah. that he's making is it's like the point's already been argued and he agrees with it. So the only thing that he has over someone who's in a position that isn't uh, the you know white male advantaged position is that he is free to act in a way that they are not maybe as free to act. And so the only thing that has any meaning is action. There's no point in him sitting and going, well, you know, and I agree and I, I just thumbs up and I think it's great. It's like, no, it's like, all right, you have the reins of power. You're holding the money. You've got $100. There's a man in front of you and a woman. You can give $40 to one and 60 to the other, or you can do 50-50. Your first drummer was uh, the John Stumpy Peeps. Oh, yeah. Great, great, uh, tall blonde geek with glasses. Yeah. Uh, good drummer. Great look. Good drummer. Good, yeah. Good yeah, drummer. Fine. What happened to him? He died. He he died in a bizarre gardening accident some years back. It's really one of those things. It was, you know, the authorities said, you know, best leave it, you know, not unsolved, yeah. really. You know. And he was replaced by. Uh, Stumpy Joe. Eric Stumpy Eric Joe. Child. Child. And Eric. what happened to Stumpy Joe? Well, uh, 
It's not a very pleasant story, but no. um, He's, uh, he, he died. Uh, he choked on uh, the, the official explanation was he choked on vomit. Was actually he uh, away. was actually someone else's vomit. It's not <laughs> ugly. You know, there's no real. Well, they can't yeah, prove whose vomit it was. They, never, they don't have no, facilities in Scotland Yard to, to you print can't really dust for vomit. You know, one, one segment that's come up organically over the last two is bully stories. Really? Which oh, yeah. See, yeah, everybody's got a bully story. Oh, man. Everybody remembers the name of their bully. Oh man! I, well, I want to hear you. I, I I want to hear your bully story now. I don't even know. Did your Did your bully story get cut out of the Wait, last one? Were you a bully? Because that's the other thing too. You could I have been a bully. bully. Okay. I was a bully in elementary school, but inadvertently, just because I, I happened to be um, not like abnormally large, but I had my a growth spurt like really early on, and so I was a bigger kid, and I was also not socially awkward, which most kids are in the first or third grade period. Yeah. So I was kind of asked to bully others, but I just couldn't do it because I just I was and I but I did have an, some guy did come at me at one point and I accidentally defeated him like by pure accident. Oh man! Because um, your bones are laced with adamantium. Yeah, he, he what? No, it just he just tried to. He, he tried to like get karate and and bullyish with me and he then punched like, you in the head and his his. His fist, his broke. fist shattered. No, no, he he tried to bully me, and I I threw a half-hearted punch, but it landed right in his like esophagus, not esophagus. The what's the thing in the stomach? Where oh, it's you, like diaphragm. Diaphragm. That's it. Or sternum. Yeah, stern, like sternum? just below the sternum. Okay. Right, no, and then just like plexus. cut out his air supply, and then he and he started ow ow ow, and he tried to come back at me with a kick, and I, ha- I accidentally caught it. I was bending down to pick up my lunchbox, which is why the whole war started. <laughs> my he-man lunchbox and i accidentally caught his leg and i didn't know what to do with a leg once you catch a leg because only you don't catch a leg when so you kicks snapped it. it in two and four no <laughs> i just i threw it away <laughs> i literally just threw away his foot and then it sent him into a weird like bizarre spiral. ballerina spin and he just <laughs> fell on his face kind of like how when goose dies and Top Gear or, or Top, Top Gun. Gun. Top Gun. Did that? Is that how they go into an uncontrolled spin? Uncontrolled spin. That's, <laughs> that's another thing. Top Gun mentioned in two podcasts. That's right. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, the, it's true. That's another thing that's organically developed. The bully story. Hmm. So I don't know. All right. Guys... Does, does Steve have one? Yeah. Let's do that. Do you love, hate, story? and bully split. I uh, I had a bully in elementary school that I stood up to, and I um, I punched him in the stomach. And uh, and nothing happened. He laughed it off, and that didn't go anywhere. That that was that's my that was bully it. story. That that's it. But then he it didn't was, bully you afterwards. Right? Oh no, he totally continued to bully me because I, <laughs> after I hit him and nothing happened, you realize that okay, that, that I don't yeah. know, man. Bullying is a part of life. Like I, I understand that it's bad. We don't want kids to be bullied. Like I, I'm on board with that, but. You are going to be bullied throughout your life exactly. in a variety yeah. of different ways. It is a reality of life that you have to learn to deal with. Like death. It. Steve, like, what, what, what was your bully's name? Uh, Robert. Robert. There you go. Robert. Everybody remembers their bully's your name. Your theory I holds, don't. my friend. You don't remember your bully's I don't, name? I'm trying to remember. There was this guy in, like, I think it was grade one or grade two, because I used to live on the mil- uh, in Borden on the military base back before my parents got, got separated. And I used to walk to school. It was like a 10-minute walk. And I, I remember the name of my teacher. Her name was Madame Oclair, and I'd go to Madame Oclair's class or whatever, like grade grade two. 
And this kid, he kept like you know, trying to pick on me all the time. And one day I just snapped and I gave him about 20 punches in the face. <laughs> and like I like wrecked him. Like he wasn't in school for about three weeks. Oh, and, really? And, but it was like, that was it. That was the last time in my life I ever remember like, concretely being bullied. And no one's ever heard from him again? I, I'm assuming he's dead, but uh, no, They're like only completing uh, the facial reconstruction surgery. Yeah, like whatever. He was six right or seven years old. Like, like that's he probably doesn't remember, remember who the hell I am, and it's why I don't. Oh, remember I'm sure his he remembers who you are. If <laughs> you got, brought him out of school for three weeks, I don't know. But the uh, that's the you kind know of thing that funny? sticks with you. You know who I keep running into every once in a while. The worst, the worst, the most feared people in the schools that I went to. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then like I, there's two of them uh, that I run into. One in particular lives in my neighborhood, but now he's got like a baby mama and like three kids and glasses, and he probably has a fucking office job. But at the time that I went to the worst of the schools that I went to, he was one of the lords of hell. <laughs> like he was one of the <laughs> the top fucking dudes, right? And now he's just sort of, sort of mundane. And the other guy I ran into was also a gang leader. Um, is like a FedEx or, or like a UPS guy now. Here's, here's a question for you. I don't remember the name of my bully, but I remember uh, like a few kids that were bullied. I always felt like okay. a kinship with the bullied yeah, guys. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Like, you. like, you know, you're, you see the kids bullying, and I'm like, I didn't know, why are you picking on Piat? Like, he's just some poor kid who has a name that sounds different than yours. Like, <laughs> he's just some guy. I'm, his parents are poor. That's why his genes are from fucking Walmart. Like, what oh. the fuck is the problem oh. here? Like, why, why, is this, why is this an issue? Like, Croto. That, that, that's where Croto. my genes are from. Yeah. Croto. Well, no, but, like, I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I'm 14 years old. I don't care what the kid's wearing. Like, I'm too busy playing Dozens and Dragons, which is, you know. Exactly. Incidentally, still the case now. Yes. But the but like a massive care. topic we are going to land on at some point in the near future because Richard wants to know if we if we wear wizard beards. Oh, I was going to say we should bring our pointy hats and wizard. Beards. We should be, yeah, we're definitely yeah. Do yeah. Bring your gaming crew. We'll we'll explore this. We'll yeah, see we'll, we'll definitely crack this open. Okay, so listen, I th this has been absolutely awesome, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us, and um, we will have you back definitely, Steve. Thank you joining us at short notice uh, I'd like to send a quick shout out uh, to uh, Sean Sean Bechu uh, who was uh, slated to join us this week but uh, due to some inconveniences he can't so I uh, hope you're feeling better buddy and um, once you bounce back uh, we'll definitely have you on and we'll do this right but in the meantime uh, yeah guys thank you for coming out thanks for having us man thank you fire in the hole fire in the hole fire in your hole and please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Uh, check us out on SoundCloud, on Stitcher. Uh, yeah. Really, if you love this show or even if you like it and if you follow it um, and if you want to help us out, there's a really easy, free way of doing it, Richard. What is that? you got to just subscribe on iTunes and rate and leave us a review if you can. And that's the best way you can help out.